this episode of Inside Music Cast, we're taking a trip to the smooth side of the jazz spectrum for an extensive chat with jazz trumpeter, songwriter, and vocalist Rick Braun. However, smooth doesn't pigeonhole Rick's music, as he incorporates a spectrum of jazz styles into his music, which is evident on his latest album, Crossroads, released a few weeks ago from Shawnee Entertainment. Rick also has an extensive resume as a studio and touring musician, having recorded and performed with Crowded House, Natalie Cole, Glenn Fry, Tom Petty, Sade, Rod Stewart, Tina Turner, and War, to name a few. He's also a good friend of Kevin Cronin of REO Speedwagon and co-wrote their top 20 hit, Here With Me. Inside Music Cast is pleased to welcome Rick Braun. Hey, Rick, welcome to the show. It's a pleasure, you guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, Very welcome. welcome. Welcome, welcome. It's great to have another uh, jazz uh, trumpet player uh, with us. It's, Rick, it's been a few years since we've had Michael Leonhardt on, yeah, on the show. That's true. Yeah. And uh, But it's good to have another horn player. This is great. But you're, you're much more than a, a horn player. You're a producer, composer, you're a singer and writer. And and uh, so, so really, seriously, thank you for being with us. Um, yeah. Absolutely. I want to unpack this. Uh, this before we go forward is you know the the jazz thing a little bit because we know that there's uh, since the '70s you know jazz has evolved so much to give us so many names nomenclatures of the type of jazz that's even out there right now. And of course, right now currently the you know we've all landed on smooth jazz and a lot of contributors out there. Um, but uh, the the one thing I believe that we can all agree on is that New Orleans birthed this whole thing. And it, it, it brought together the Creole music and the spirituals and marches, and we know the history of it. But uh, tell us, Rick, what, what's your opinion on, you know, where, where you park your music? You know, you're, you're probably very into all types of jazz, but where we are right now with smooth jazz, where, where, do, you, where do you fit in or in, in how do you describe your music? Well, you know, I think... First of all, I think the word smooth jazz is is sad that that's that's the the, the name that was that was uh, uh, ascribed to to yeah. what we do because sure. it's really it's really more R and B jazz yeah. influenced music. It, yes. It's you know when I practice I um, when I practice I always practice straight ahead music and I'm, I'm particularly I've been trying to trying to play giant steps for the last three years, <laughs> Just trying to, trying to get better at that. I mean, for, you know, a big fan of Clifford Brown and Chet Baker and miles and, you know, Freddie Hubbard, sure. and, you know, it's, uh, but I, 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 um, I've really been trying to learn how to, how to negotiate changes a little bit better in my old age. And, uh, and it's been, it's been fun. It's been challenging and humbling and, and, uh, and exciting. Now my music, I don't, I don't really get to to play over changes that much because uh, the nature of what I do is not all that. Um, there's not that much harmonic movement. Um, there is harmonic movement, but it's not as complicated as something like Giant Steps. Mm-hmm. So I think for me, I mean, what what really what really uh, I, I do love about what what I, what we do and what I do. Uh, mm-hmm. The thing I like about it is I've always been a very melodic player, uh-huh. and so for me it was an it was a natural place for me to live because melodies are always so important in music and in particular in uh, contemporary or smooth jazz. Yeah, right. It, it's interesting, you know. I was just ma- mentioning that, you know. I look back at the the, the early days of uh, well, my early days of seventy five, seventy seven, eighty. And I remember some key albums that, uh, even before genres were labeled, you know, I remember the the Touch album by John Clemmer or Feel So Good by Chuck Mangione, Rise by Herb, and 
Grover right. did Wine Light, and what is it? Uh, one of my favorite Sanborn albums is Voyeur. Yeah. Back then, it, it wasn't even called smooth jazz. It wasn't called. It was just jazz, you know. And uh, right. But I love what right. you just said right now because it's more of an R and B type of jazz. That I think that's yeah. a, that's a nice yeah. way for the, that you've described it. Well, I mean, the rhythmic element of what we do is is really important, and um, you know, I mean, I've I've always enjoyed R and B music. I've always enjoyed. Um, listening to it and i think when i look back at my first my first project well actually my second record which was called beat street mm-hmm. i kind of hit on something and i patterned the the music after i i titled a lot of the songs after my uh, experiences with war because i toured with war back in 1982 um and so you know i think it's it's a, it's just a natural place for for me to to draw uh, draw influence from because I love that music so much and you know I, I, another record when you would mention all those great records uh, George Benson and George was an interesting artist because he had a he he was doing all those CTI records right. with Freddie Hubbard First Light and yeah. you know Skydive and and uh, Red Clay and and George George played on some of those records uh, and uh, you know it, it's it's interesting because then. Uh, uh, he he went. He made the switch and became a singer and right. and went full on pop. Right. Um, but I, I did a concert with George. Uh, we um, Oracle when I was in in college. We were a fusion band and we were playing things in thirteen eight and sure you know set you know yeah. odd meters and very com- very complicated music. Yeah. And, and George, uh, we opened up for George Benson in Buffalo, New York, and. George watched our show and he came to came over and gathered us up after our set, which was awesome. And he he wasn't he wasn't George Benson the pop star yet. He was George Benson the CTI star. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. And he gathered us up and he said, "Hey, hey, hey, fellas, are you not having fun when you you play? Because <laughs> if you aren't letting the audience know that you have joy when you play what you do, yeah. when you do what you do, the audience isn't going to." gonna come with you right. you know he said you gotta you gotta express the joy that you're having when you yeah, play and absolutely it, cha- it changed my life and i think that's another aspect of what we do in in, in our in our corner is there is a lot of joy in in, in our music you oh know? yeah me and me and rick have been uh, sort of absorbing the, the new album and there's yeah. a lot of joy in it it really is yeah. it's it invites you to yeah. come in and, and have a good time um you know your 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 colleagues and your co um, musicians that that you know and work closely with you sometimes, Kirk Whalem and Dave Koz, and you look at Boney and Brian Culbertson, Candy, Chris Bodie. These guys, you know, they I think they sort of like flow with the same type of joy. You know, they've but in a way like I think you were alluding a little earlier that that you still extract those sounds of of influence from Chet Baker and of course Train and and Evans and, mm-hmm. and Miles. Talk to us a little bit about yeah. how those ingredients are still sort of injected into what you do well it's it's what i prefer to listen to and it's interesting because my wife is german and she she actually had a roommate who was a we've been married 22 years and, mm-hmm. and she had a roommate who was uh, a trumpet player a jazz trumpet player and she couldn't she couldn't stand it <laughs> she couldn't <laughs> she, she's like from she loves abba she loves share sure. right. you know she's just but you know I listen to my music, and right. she, 
she, it's funny because I'll play along with Jamie, Jamie Abersold now and then, you know, and she'll go, are you going to be doing some of that one, two, three music, you know? And because there's count offs in it. It's like one, <laughs> one two, three. two, three. Are you playing one, two, threes now? You know, <laughs> but it's really hysterical around our house because that's really what I, I love to play. And I love to listen to it. It just uh, Ella Fitzgerald and Louis Armstrong. I listen oh, to, yeah. I listen to them all the time, you know, um, it's just uh, Count Basie and Frank Sinatra, you know. Yeah. Um, I mean, we're even going farther back and, and with some of that stuff. But oh, it's, yeah. It's, it's just what I love to listen to. Yeah. Um, Chet Baker, to me, was one of the most melodic trumpet players to ever live. Yeah. I mean, uh, Chet just, I mean, his choice of notes still, when I listen to his solos and I transcribe them and learn them, it's like... Okay, they're very they're 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 very inside, but the note choices are so interesting. Yeah, you know? yeah. Hey, you were born in Allentown, Pennsylvania, and uh, and from what we understand is you actually picked up drumsticks and and played drums before you you started playing the horn. I think I think you started playing trumpet when you were about eight years old. Is that right? Well, yeah. I always wanted I wanted to play drums, but I was in a a row home in Allentown, Pennsylvania with four brothers and one sister. And there was no way that I was going to, my parents were going to let me play drums. It was just going to drive everybody mad. But what they didn't realize was trumpet was equally as loud and it's also right. portable. Right. <laughs> but it was melodic at least, okay? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But the option of sneaking up on somebody in the house was there, you know? Yeah. <laughs> well, just just in sticking with your youth, tell us about the music that was around you as you were growing up. What were you listening to and what were you um, sort of subjected to by your, your siblings and maybe your parents? Well, I, all kinds of music, all kinds of music uh -huh. when I was a kid. I mean, the music was always going in my house. My sister loved you know, she loved Elvis Presley and Buddy Holly and yeah. uh, the Everly Brothers, and um, you know, um, way back in, in you know, and that when my then my brother he was into like folk music and and all of that stuff, and my mom was into Perry Como and Clyde McCoy, who was a famous trumpet player, and she was into Ella, and she was my mom was really the influence that that kind of led me down the jazz path because she had a she was a self taught. Uh, guitar player and, and, and banjo and piano player. And she sang a little bit. She's actually had a very nice voice, Yeah, but she was the one. And, uh, my father had absolutely no musical inclination whatsoever. He was, he used <laughs> to sing, he used to sing to, to put us to sleep, my brother and I, and we'd pretend we were asleep. So we didn't have to listen to it anymore. Oh, you, lo you loved your dad. <laughs> He's a great dad. He just couldn't sing. <laughs> Well, we also know that you studied uh, at Eastman, and while you were there, you joined, uh, you mentioned this a minute ago, the, the jazz fusion band called Oracle, where um, a Teo Macero, a producer who produced uh, Miles Davis's Bitches Brew, mm -hmm. and also Brubeck's yeah. Time Out, he, he produced Oracle's first album, and um, then you produced the second, and, and was, was that particular experience your baptism into producing? Yes. Okay. Teo Macero was, was my... Uh, was the first time I was in a, a studio with with someone who yeah who was a was a, a bona fide record producer. Any other project I had done before that in college or whatever was, you know, just in there with the band and or mm. I'd be in there by me, by myself. So um, yeah, Tio was Tio was um, I I thinking looking back, he was a huge influence on. I watched him a lot, and he he actually reached out to me several times to 
kind of include me in the decision-making process of the, of the record. And I don't know, maybe he saw that I had some potential or something back then, but um, I'm really grateful to have had that short experience working with him. Yeah, absolutely. It was special. No doubt. Yeah. You know, so during your career, you know, and like Eddie mentioned earlier, you've worn quite a few hats, a singer, songwriter. And in fact, in the uh, 80s, I think you co-wrote a song um, for REO Speedwagon called Here With Me, and which I think was, I a, was a top 20 hit. And I guess my question is, is, is how often did you write for bands and, and do you still do that? Uh, well, that was at a time when I was, um, it was a real interesting time. It was back, uh, mm-hmm. I think that was that was maybe like the... Let me think about when that exactly was. That was like late, mid-80s, okay. I think, mid-80s. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, mid-80s. And um, I was playing in a lot of bar bands at the time. And uh, I had played on an REO Speedwagon record as a horn player in a part of a, as part of a section with um, Jack Mack and the Heart Attack horn section. Okay. Um, there were several several horn sections in LA that were getting called to play on pop records. And it was tower of power or Jack Mack and heart attack. And yeah. So, so I went in and played and got to me, got to know Kevin Cronin pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, I was actually working at that time as a staff songwriter for Lorimar and, and, and Warner chapel. So I was getting a paycheck uh, to write pop music. Um, and, and that particular song came about, um, I'm just I'm just rambling. You know that, right? <laughs> no, this is great. Please we love ramble it. on. We love this. So I was I was I had just I was playing in a bar band called the Strolling Dudes with Kevin Cronin and other guys from Mario Speedwagon. Uh-huh. And Huge Groove was the other horn player. Wow. Huge uh, at that time was playing with Tina Turner, and so you know he was he was doing well. But but as for fun, we played in this bar band with Kevin Cronin and the Mario Boys. And I was dating this Italian girl named Gina, and uh, I took her to a gig of mine. I was playing at the famous nightclub, The Lighthouse, in Hermosa Beach. Okay. And I was playing a gig there, and I noticed she, I took her to the gig, and I noticed in the audience she started chatting this guy up. And it got, you know, a little bit weird, but, you know, I drove <laughs> her home and called her the next day. She didn't pick up the phone. Next day, didn't pick up the phone. And finally, she let me know, yeah, that guy that she was, you know, talking to on the phone, uh, at my gig, she was now dating him and that we were through, you know, How rude. so I decided I was either, either going to write a song or run in front of a truck. So I wrote a song oh, and, and I, I wrote it. I wrote the verses, uh-huh. you know, the lyrics and the music for the verses, but I didn't have a chorus. So I called Kevin and I said, I got this song and, uh, I think it's pretty good. You, you want to, can I come over and play it for you? Maybe you got something to add to it. So I went over to Kevin Cronin's house and it, it just so happens that his wife had just left him. Oh, jeez. So, oh so I played him the verse and obviously he was thinking about either running in front of a truck or writing a song and he chose to write a song too. So, good, good choices. So, so he, he wrote the chorus for that song in like five minutes. And, uh, wow. and, and it was the only only song on their their hits record, um, their last record to be released. Um, I think it was on MCA. Wow, golly, the coincidence! Don't tell me his 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 former wife's name was Gina. Just don't say that. <laughs> no, no, 
no, I forgot her name. She was really cute, though. I remember her. I remember her. You know, I, I but he's been yeah, he's happily married now for many years. Good. Twin boys and everything. Yeah. I saw Ario last year. They opened up for Chicago. They went out on tour with Chicago, and and uh, I hadn't seen yeah. those guys play in 20 years or more and uh man i mean i know he's got it's not the full band he's got some young guys out with him but but kevin looks and sounds amazing still i mean he just he's got so much energy on stage and he just still sounds amazing he just blew me away (laughs) no he's 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 really a great great human being um and he he and i still keep in touch i mean every now and then you know the band was called strolling dude so every now and then i'll get a text from him and go dude how are you <laughs> you know i'll go dude doing fine you know, what you up to? And then we'll just maybe we'll hook up and play some really bad golf together and, uh, yeah. hey listen you you've done your share of of touring for i mean a, early, a little earlier in your career before you blossomed into your current career and I mean, you've played with guys like Tom Petty and Rod Stewart. Name a few just to inform our audience of the type of tours that you were you were on in uh, part of the, the horn section. Well, I I was, um, you know, I, I, for a while I was a staff. I was like the trumpet player on top of the uh, top of the pops, uh, the show that was shot in the in in the United States, and oh, so yeah. I was. Uh, Timothy B. Schmidt, Swing yeah. Out Sister. Okay, I played with. Um, uh, Rick Springfield, yeah. um, those guys, but, uh, I toured extensively with Sade. Right. Um, I toured extensively with Rod Stewart. Mm-hmm. I did some, some touring with Glenn Fry. Yep. You know, I, I did some studio recording with, uh, Tina Turner, um, and Natalie Cole. Yeah. Um, you know, some of that stuff was solo work. I was called in as a soloist to play mm. a solo on songs. That was yeah, and I was Sade. I was basically um, up hired as a background singer, okay. um, and and I was hired because I was tall and I looked good next to Leroy Osborne, who was the other background singer. Gotcha. Um, <laughs> but but I but I played trumpet too, so that worked out. You know, that you know, worked out. You know, I yeah. uh, that's that's actually a bucket list of mine. I mean, I wish. One time, I I would have seen Sade in in, in concert. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've seen a lot of film and whatever of her music. I I love her music, but you know the the early days with Stuart Matthewson and and the the other guys. And I tell you that it was she was really setting a path for some new sounds back then. You know, and I'm sure it even affected a lot of you know melodic music that was instrumental as as you're doing right now she was a she was a huge impact in the music movement wasn't she she was uh not was i mean she is uh she is uh an amazing artist i mean she's she's a she's kind of a reluctant star i mean yeah. she's very private and but very very sweet very sweet person and it was an interesting situation going from rod stewart to her her gig because mm-hmm. rod was all about in, in, whatever happened on stage, the the wilder it got, the better off you were. I mean, he's kicking <laughs> soccer balls into the audience. And one time there was a guy who climbed the scaffolding in front of the speakers. Must have been about 20 feet in the air. And uh, and he climbed up oh my God. and put the microphone in front of the guy. And the guy sang a verse to Maggie Mae right on cue. <laughs> and, That's great. <laughs> and they're both up on the scaffolding. So, but on the other hand, Sade uh, was the exact opposite. 
everything she did was scripted out. We blocked, she blocked the rehearsals. Everybody played the exact same thing every night. The only thing that wasn't the same every night was my, I had a couple of solos in the show and I would play different solos every night. I would always, you know, just improvise. Yeah. And it was the only part of the show that varied from show to show. Look at that. Look at that. That's interesting. Very different styles. I remember we played one time at the Greek theater in LA and, um, and Shaquille O'Neal brought her some flowers and Shaquille O'Neal walks the flowers up to the front. And I remember watching her cause she had her dance steps worked out. Right. Uh, right. And oh, she yeah. was trying, trying to figure out how to get the flowers from Shaq and not, not miss the blocking, you know? <laughs> <laughs> wow. I mean, not, not like NFL blocking, the blocking sure. of where right. you're supposed of to right, be right. in the spot. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. She has such a lovely voice. Um, I really, I really think there's some elements of Billie Holiday in the way that she sings. It's just very huh. simple and heartfelt and direct, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, that's an interesting uh, comparison. Yeah. Hey, um, back in 2008 uh, or 2009, you had an album called All It Takes, and there was a, a tune on that album that honored Freddie Hubbard called Freddie Was Here. And as Correct. you know, you mentioned earlier in the show that he was a big influence of yours. And Eddie and I are actually based here in Indianapolis, which was Freddie's hometown. And yeah. tell us about uh, Freddie and, and how he influenced you and what compelled you to write this track in his honor. Well, Freddie was so far ahead of his time. Um, he was a beast on the yeah. horn. I yeah. mean, uh, he, technically, he did things that I didn't hear anybody else, you know, doing. Um, you know, I, when I when I used to listen to all of those old CTI records um, mm-hmm. that that he made, um, they were just absolute works of art. And his playing, um, I mean, still, I've, I've, uh, there's a there's a song called Aretas that is, is I think, one of his most beautiful solos. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I've, I've been playing along with it and just trying to um just you know every time i listen to him play uh it 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 just reminds me what an incredible genius he was you know i i had the chance to meet him a couple times uh i played at the montreux jazz festival with the oracle when we first came out of college and it was absolutely one of the most nerve-wracking moments of my life when Freddie was standing at the side of the stage and I'm playing the Montreux Jazz Festival for the first time. It was like, oh my gosh, there's my hero there and I'm playing this festival that I've only only heard of, you know, yeah. coming from Allentown, Pennsylvania. <laughs> yeah. And, and then we hung out in the bar afterwards and he's a great guy. You know, he was a great, I know his reputation. I, I know, I know... <laughs> I've heard it, uh, you know, I heard the tape and everything and the recording of him going off on the guy in the, in the show. But, you know, to me, he was a really nice guy, really nice guy. Very cool. You know, you mentioned, we talked about, you know, the fact that you're from Allentown and you just mentioned it a second ago. I'm a big drum corps nut. Drum Corps International. Oh, my God. And the Reading Buccaneers, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, also in Allentown now is the uh, um, the cadets are based out of na- out of Allentown now. They used to be in New, oh, Jer- okay. New Jersey, but they're one of the year in and year out. They're one of the top drum corps. And it just made me wonder, since you're a fabulous horn player, of course, did you ever go that route? Did you play in marching band or did you, move, did you try drum corps? That's a good question. Well, I think anybody from Allentown, I mean, I, I was in the marching band in high school. Yeah. And then... Um, I made a point to pick a music school where they did not have a marching band. I, <laughs> I was such a huge fan of playing. I love listening to 
Drum and Bugle Corps. Yeah. I love listening to Drum and Bugle Corps. It's it's you know, that that moment where the entire line faces you. Yes. And and there's always those moments in the show, the big climax or whatever. Yeah. It it's it's just uh, it puts chills down your spine. Like that, you know? <laughs> no, there's nothing like it. <laughs> oh, we lived it too. My my daughter was a drum major for a couple of years at her high school, and and I will say this: after seeing all those, pra- it's not easy to march oh, no. and play. It's, it's not easy. What folks. those what those kids are doing is oh, is unbelievable. It is. It, it's unbelievable. <laughs> anyway, that was yeah. a side note. Side, <laughs> side note too. <laughs> You're rambling, Rick. You're I rambling. Know, now I'm rambling. <laughs> yeah, he is to throw a rifle like you know forty yeah. feet in the air and then catch it without looking. At it, I, I wouldn't even want to try that. That's, yeah, exactly. That's yeah, we'll going to turn out with a, with injury for sure. You know. <laughs> Hey, looking back at the, the body of work that you have behind you, and of course, we'll be talking about, uh, we'll be finishing up here in a few minutes with your new project, but looking back at your work, you know, we always like to ask uh, the artists uh, that are our guests, if there's any certain point in your career or a project that just really is maybe one or two highlights that you're super, super proud of, that they're landmark uh, achievements for you, accomplishments, which albums or projects might they be that that really uh, they they sort of shine for you? Well, I think I think the one that really connected for me and the one that I really had a great time making the single project would have been Beat Street because I I, I lived in this old nineteen twenty five house that had all these wooden floors and vaulted ceilings and it was just like a little. It wasn't a huge house. It was a small house, but it was all of this old wood and it had a sound to it. And I, I was, um, I took advantage of the sound of that house. I put the drums in one room and bass in, in another room. And really the sound of that house lives in that record. And I also, uh, that, that I, 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 um, David Palmer played drums on a lot of that record. He was Rod Stewart's drummer. Yeah. Um, and, uh, Cliff Hugo played bass, uh, upright bass on, on Cadillac Slim. And uh, he was with Ray Charles uh, back in the day. And uh, so the, 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 I brought some people together who you wouldn't think would make the kind of music that we made. Okay. And, and it, was, it was really, um, it was very minimalist. I mean, the song Cadillac Slim is very minimal, but sonically it just, it just sounded great. And, and, we we wrote the songs kind of on the spot. It was kind of like a uh, an organized jam. Really? Uh, with with yeah, we we I didn't really have songs. A couple of them. Cadillac Slim was like just kind of made up on the spot. Wow. It doesn't it doesn't sound like that. <laughs> no. Well, I was playing keyboard, so I was kind of leading it through, and then I played trumpet a little bit later if I recall, but I, it was kind of a keyboard thing that I played and led, led the guys through. Mm-hmm. There's been a, a number of, of records that, um, that have, you know, I mean, each, each new record I, I make is kind of special. And, mm-hmm. and it, at, when I finish it, I always think, man, this is the best thing, you know, as I, as I finish it. And then, then I move on to the next one. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think that's probably, I have to say that one. Yeah, that's okay. cool. Cool. You know, we want to uh, sort of um, highlight a, a collaboration with uh, a past guest of ours, you, uh, Kirk Whalem. But uh, you teamed yep. up with Kirk and Norman Brown, and since 2002, you guys have formed a little band called BWB. The first question is: Is it Braun Whalem Brown, or is it Brown <laughs> Whalem Braun? 
<laughs> well, of course, if you're talking to me, it's Braun, Whalen, Brown. Well, of course, good answer. That's what we thought. Mormon, it's going to be Braun, Braun, Whalen, Brown. Right, right. <laughs> Tell us about this collaboration, would you? Well, it started out with um, uh, going way back to that Montreux Jazz Festival, mm-hmm. and uh, there was a the president of, of Warner Jazz back then was uh, Matt Pearson, who's a trumpet player. He's probably responsible for a lot of what I've done in my life. He's the one who paired me up with Boney and we did the shake it up CD, which was a a big record for, for both of us. Uh, it actually went gold. And, um, so he was responsible. He, he always enjoyed, uh, first of all, the roster back then was unbelievable. It was four play, uh, Kenny Garrett, Mm -hmm. um, um, Kirk, Norman, me, Boney, George Duke, all of these people were on uh, in foreplay. Yeah. Well, all of them were on Warner, Warner Jazz. Yeah, so exactly. there was a, a stable of talent that was sitting there and combinations were possible without getting label permission from another label. So Matt was, was really excited about that. And one of the, one of the things he wanted to do was to pair up Kirk and Norman and I, and uh, so it was really his brainchild and he co-produced uh uh, the first record. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually, he, he produced it. I co-produced a couple tracks, but yeah. he produced it. That's um, and so it was Matt's idea. It was Matt, Matt, Matt Pearson's idea from hmm. Warner brothers. And then we followed it up. It took us, uh, the first record was released many years ago. I think about 15, 17 years ago, maybe. Yeah, right. And then uh, 11, 11 years later, we did the second one. Right. And, uh, and then, um, and I, I can't really honestly say if there's going to be a third or not. I can't yeah. tell you at this moment. Only time will tell. Yeah, cool. Well, you know, Eddie and I have been listening to your brand new album, Crossroads, quite a bit. And uh, one track that really stands out for us is the track called Braz Street. And let's go ahead and take a break and let's check this one out. From our guest today, Rick Braun on Inside Music Cast.
Hey, one of our uh, Inside Music Cast listeners, John Marshall, uh, he's been listening, I think, since day one. He's, he he's uh, And uh, we love John. He's a great guy. And he's a big fan of yours. And uh, he has a couple questions. And the first one is about BWB. He wants to know if there are any plans for another album after 2016's uh, album that you guys released. Well, as I just said, it's it's not certain. I yeah. mean, uh, we, 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 we would love to do one. Mm-hmm. Um it's just corralling everybody and yeah. working out schedules. And, yeah. And uh, but I, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna say to uh, is it John? Yeah, who's it's the jo- listener. Yeah, John Marshall. Uh, John Marshall. I'm gonna say to John Marshall that it's 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 in the, the world of possibilities at this point, but I can't tell you exactly when. Okay. Awesome. And then uh, another question he had is he knows that you, know, you collaborate with Dave Cause quite a bit. And uh, he's, his question is, is creative input freely welcomed when you guys work together, whether it be with the Summer Horns or when you guys are touring with uh, the Christmas show? Well, it's interesting. I'm on the Summer Horns tour right now. I'm yeah. getting ready to go over to Soundcheck in Detroit, Michigan, where we're going to be playing tonight. Uh-huh. You know, Gerald Albright and yeah. Ken, uh, Kenny Lattimore and Aubrey Logan are, yeah. are on the on, uh, bill with me. Yeah. Uh, but Dave and I, Dave and I work uh, really well together, and there's there's a very free exchange of ideas, and um, you know, uh, it's a really really good partnership. I, I I really enjoy working with Dave. He's he and I have a good creative chemistry, and uh, there there are plans for me to do another record with Dave. He's he's approached me about doing it. We're just talking about what it's going to be and where and how and. But um, that's that's a relationship that is ongoing um, in the musical world. Yeah, very cool. Um, we want to talk about the the new album. It's called Crossroads, and we're very first of all we're very happy to see that a few yeah. of our past guests um, are contributing to this project. Yes, and yeah. that's uh, Philip Sace. We have Eric Valentine, Rick, yep. and uh, of course Greg Fillingains. Yep. And uh, so in this album, you give us you've given us uh, ten tracks, and uh, we know that you've written eight of them, and there's some there's two others. That, uh, mm-hmm. that that you've also uh, lined up on the on the project. Give us a little intro yeah. to the to Crossroads and how long did this take for you to to record? Give us a little background information on this before we dive into some tracks. You know, I think it, it's it took me about four months to to do this record. Mm-hmm. Uh, the challenge for me making records is is I'm I'm touring all the time, so it's always yeah. whenever I leave town and come back, it takes me a day to decompress. But uh, yeah. This this record, um, I wanted to make a record that was very organic in nature. I wanted to make a record that was heavily weighted with originals as opposed to covers. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I wanted to make a record and, and again go back to some of the people over the course of my life who I've I've worked with and and had had a lot of success and I enjoy working with. And Philippe says is is definitely at the top of that list. He's amazing. Isn't uh, he? Chris Big yeah, Chris Big Dog Davis, who is really a talented keyboard player. Uh, in Connecticut, and he's, if you do, do the the research, he's had a lot to do with a lot of people's uh, music in our world. Um, so so I reached out to Chris, and of course, Richard Elliott's on there, and, yeah. and Peter White, uh, my buddies. So um, it, it, it's uh, it's really a collection of, of, I think, some very nice songs being played by some very talented people, you know, myself not even not even speaking about myself it's the the, the band on the record is is really good yeah. you know well you mentioned Richard Elliott one of the tracks that uh, is a cover and you've done it really well is is a track by Bruno Mars called Versace on the Floor and and here we find that your son Kyle is even playing uh, on this one right 
Well, Kyle is a basketball player, and um, and I just I just left Annapolis, Maryland, where he got an offer. He's uh, been offered to to play for the Naval Academy on uh, um, um, basketball, so it's a That's big awesome. deal. Yeah, but he he likes to come home and play piano, and he has <laughs> he can't read music, but he. He um, he listens, and then he he looks on YouTube. The the way kids learn music now on YouTube, they yeah. show an aerial shot of the keyboard with the hands. Yeah, and he just he copies that. Wow! And then he'll he'll just he has a very nice feel. He he could have been a musician if he wanted to be. Um, so he just you know I I set him up in the studio, and that intro that's on there is only on the live version it's not i don't think it's on the studio version okay so okay he he prefers the live versions of most music so mm-hmm. that's uh that's how that happened yeah you know um he's a basketball player and he plays piano he, he'd get along well with uh bruce hornsby because bruce hornsby's a huge basketball fan <laughs> is, that, is that right you yeah. know who else is uh kobe bryant plays uh classical piano does he really no nah, that i didn't he, know <laughs> yeah that's really cool well, the the whole album is so well written and produced, and and uh, and we, I just gotta ask you, where did you record the project? You have your own studio, and I and I gotta say something in addition to that. As I was listening to the album, I was listening on a really nice pair of headphones, and this album is really beautifully recorded. It sounds great. It's clean. Yeah, well, very clean. Thank, thank you, thank you so much. Thanks so much. And yeah, I I consulted a couple of my engineer friends. I'm. I do have a studio at home. It's a it's a two car garage that I've converted. I've got an ISO room for the drums and uh-huh. another ISO room for uh, vocalists or other artists. Uh, where I recorded the upright bass, uh, Kenny Wild on "I Wish" was in that ISO room. Um, um, for people who do read the liner notes, I apologize to Kenny. <laughs> His name got left off of the credits oh, for no. "I Wish." So that that's Ken Wild from the band Sea Wind. Oh, oh, Ken yeah. Wild. We go, oh, my, that Ken Wild. I love Ken. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So that's who's playing bass on that. He's also playing the fretless on uh, on the song called Family. Oh, so, that's great. Yeah. So, that's, yeah we, but uh, where was I? I lost my thought. What was I talking about? Oh, Rick was just saying about the, the cleanliness of the recording. Yeah, the recording the and, where, and where you oh, recorded. Well, I brought over um, my, um, I have uh, Eric, uh, Eric Zobler came over and kind of consulted for a moment. Uh, very, he used to be George Duke's engineer and uh, worked with George exclusively uh, for many years, many, many years. Um, and then um, Steve Sykes came over and helped me. There's certain instruments as an engineer that I've always wrestled with, acoustic bass being one. And the other thing is tom-toms are my nemesis. So <laughs> when I'm trying to record tom-toms decently, and uh, Steve Sykes came over and basically took all the mics down on my drums and he just made subtle changes, measured distances. Wow. Um, there's the subtleties to recording that I had neglected as, um, as a hack of an engineer. And so he, he came over and um, really helped me uh, tweak it out. And, and so I think, I think when it comes to engineering, it, it's about the, the most minute details that makes all the difference in the world. And yes. you think it doesn't mean a thing. You go, oh, well, what does that matter? Yeah. What does it matter if the capsule of, the, of the, the top rack tom is angled just the perfect amount away from the hi-hat <laughs> right. to reject the signal? What is, right. That doesn't matter, you know, <laughs> but it really does. It really sure does. does, you know. Yeah. Um, 
and the placement and, and, and muffling of the kick drum and all that. So absolutely, um, thank you. Thank you for, uh, yeah. for noticing the recording. Yeah, thank yeah. you. You lead off the album with three tracks and uh, Around the Corner, Brass... Um, uh, Brass Street. Yeah, Brass Street, and of course Crossroads. Um, on Crossroads, do, are you playing the bone on that? Or, or I'm sorry, flugelhorn? Is that flugelhorn we hear on Crossroads? I am playing valve trombone, and I'm playing flugelhorn on, on it. Gotcha. Uh, there's valve, valve trombone in the section, and then there's flugelhorn also in the section as well as trumpet. Yes, that's it's all. You're right on all counts. Very, very nice sound. It's, uh, uh, you know, um, you know, it, it's really beautiful the way you've, you know, you've made, uh, going back to your term of playing melodically, there's so much mel- beautiful hooks and melodies in this whole piece that um, sometimes I see that some artists uh, really fall back on a sort of a, a foundational hook. Yours aren't like mm-hmm. that. Yours are varied and very, uh, you don't know what to expect. And that's what I think I like about this project. Well, I tried on this record. There are certain things that as a, as a player you do instinctively. Mm-hmm. And I tried to force myself to do some uninstinctual things. I, I wanted to, on this record, use melodies that were heavily based on the interval of the sixth, uh, a sixth. And I, and I wanted to just stretch the melodies and go for not the first thing I thought of, but maybe the second or third thing. And just do, it's, it's very, very astute of you to notice that because it's, it, it is, um, I, I did try to stretch what I do to a slightly different place. I mean, I'm always going to play some of my licks that I play because <laughs> that's me playing the horn, but. Right. I really wanted to uh, to explore some new territory, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very nice. When I was checking out the album for the first time, I purposely didn't look at the the track titles. I just put it on with my headphones, and I kind of just drifted off and listened. and And then when it when it landed on your cover of Stevie Wonder's "I Wish," uh, that was a real nice surprise. I mean, what a great track to arrange, a, you know, a, a, with a great horn section. Did you, did you play all the horn parts, or did you bring in anybody to uh, to assist with that? Well, Richard Elliott is filling out on saxophone, oh, but I played uh, all the horn parts. Yeah, okay. that's all me. Um, awesome. I've 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 enjoyed doing that. Now that I play valve trombone, it's kind of like it's kind of fun to do it. It's a little yeah. more raggedy than if I hired a professional, but I, but I, I love doing it. So I'm I'm glad you like it. <laughs> yeah, it's a really nice, really nice version of the track. Yeah, absolutely. Well, if you're a Stevie Wonder fan at all, the the track I wish is got to be up there in your in your top five or ten. It's just such a such a great track, such an upbeat, funky track. And I really love your rendition of this. So let's pause and uh, check this one out. Uh, This is I Wish from Rick Braun and his brand new album Crossroads on Inside Music Cast.
Hey, who plays the who plays the rhythm guitar on the track called Family? It's a very nice touch, very delicate and a lot of feel. <laughs> that's that's the one and only Michael Thompson on that. Oh wow. That's Look at that. Michael Thompson, uh who of course has played on so many hit records and uh um Michael I did a gig with um in Carmel and it was interesting because it was an all-star band up there. It was uh Greg Fillingaines, who also plays on the record. Sure. Nathan East, Steve Ferroni on drums from right. the Average White Band, who I've right. yeah. worked with many times. Um, and Michael Thompson was was there. Yeah. And I'm I'm a, I'm gonna throw him under the bus right now. <laughs> but none of the, sometimes when you have an all star band, they 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 just don't get the concept that they need to learn your songs before you show up. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I knew I knew all of these guys, and yeah. and uh, and if they're listening to this, they'll cop to it. They're not going to deny it. <laughs> they didn't know any. They didn't know any of my songs, and we had to show. We had to do a show, and it was fairly nerve wracking. And oh and they felt very badly. They they clearly <laughs> had expected that they could just whiz through this thing, and and and, uh. and it, it wasn't the fact. So we had to we had to go to Plan B and kind of take some things off the set. And, yeah. Do this and that, but as a result of that show, uh, I had never worked with Michael Thompson, um, and I never had Greg Fillingaines on my record. And Greg is playing. Uh, okay, you asked about Michael Thompson, so I sent that track "Family," which I didn't even know about having guitar in it, but I sent it to Michael, yeah. and I, I wanted him to replace the rhythm guitar, digga 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 digga, and I wanted him to just do his thing. So I gave it to him, and you know because of you know, he, they, all of these guys felt like they owed me a favor, so they were all willing to do it. So <laughs> I, I, gave, I, I gave him the track, and he he, uh, he gave me gave me the family discount. And um, <laughs> a couple day, a couple of days later, he sent back like six tracks of guitar, and I plugged them in. And and I swear, to, the whole song lifted up, just lifted up. The sound of those guitars on there is just yeah. so beautiful. Yeah. Um, just gorgeous. He has yeah. so much. He has so much feel. You know, you probably don't know this, but uh, you know, we just, in fact, our last interview was Michael Thompson. He was our. He was yeah. with us on yeah. our, and he's just the greatest guy. And he has so much feel and everything. But point well taken. You got to know the music. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's no. Great. Well, he definitely learned learned that song, and he he did an awesome job. And I, I, I'm so grateful that he played. I'm also grateful that Greg Fillingaines played on uh, on I Wish, and he mm-hmm. played on. Uh, on on me and you the song with peter white as well and did a wonderful job on it he's amazing yeah hey me and rick uh, also noticed one interesting little touch it was on a track called come to me you actually Mm -hmm. doubled two horn notes one straight horn and the other one that's muted over a, a certain little phrasing and had you ever done that before it sounds really it's a nice little touch yeah that's something i like to do sometimes is to just ghost it if you'll notice, I did it a little bit on Versace on the floor as well. Ah, uh, there's, okay. There's a harmony mute behind the flugelhorn on uh, on the on the chorus, and, but it's not always there. I I kind of pulled it out towards the end to free it up a little bit. Mm-hmm. But it's a nice sound. It just adds a little sparkle to the sound, and I just ghost it in there. Yeah. yeah um. Um. It's just you know, yeah. It's a little trick. 
Yeah, it's very, <laughs> very, 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 very nicely done. You know, the whole album. You know, uh, me and Rick have been chatting this up between us. Crossroads. It's it's uh, it's out already, right? Is it out? Yeah. Is that yeah? The, yeah. Re- the record's out, and. Uh, yep. Everyone needs to get this, you know, whether you're into quasi smooth jazz or not. It's great music, you know, yeah. but it's very well done, very well recorded, as Rick said. Uh, tell us, where can people can get these uh, your, your project online or wherever we can find any uh, any outlet, right? Well, of course, yeah. I mean, it's 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 available. It was the number one download on iTunes when it came out, and uh, so clearly, it's available on iTunes and, and Amazon, and you know, uh, CD Baby. If you're still into you know, getting the the actual CD, or you can come to one of my shows, and I'll be more than happy to uh, <laughs> to uh, sell you a CD at the show. We Absolutely. still do that, and uh, so um, yes, it's a, it's it's readily available out there. Absolutely, that's fantastic. Well, we know you've got a show tonight, and uh, we appreciate all the time you've given us today. And yes. uh, again, the new album is called Crossroads from our guest today, Rick Braun. Rick, thanks for having or being on the show today. We really appreciate it. Thank you. I- Absolutely, Eddie. Thank you, Rick. And uh, uh, anytime, you guys, I appreciate you, uh, you know, giving me the time and helping to get the word out there. Very Not a problem much. At Thank all. you. Not no a problem. problem. Have a good show tonight. We'll talk later. Take care. Okay. Okay, guys. Bye bye. Bye bye. Special thanks to Rick Braun for joining us on this episode of Inside Music Cast. Inside Music Cast is a collaborative effort of music lovers worldwide, and our team includes Brian Pearson in Chicago, Kim Riley in South Florida. Scott Gross in Tampa, Mikhail Engstrom in Stockholm, Sweden, Scott Sheriff in Nashville, Don Brightup in Los Angeles, Loretta Sassaman in Seattle, Yinka Oyelese in New Jersey, and Arnaud Legere in Paris, France. Be sure to check out our newly rebranded Inside Music Cast website that includes a fresh look, guest search options, a new podcast audio player, downloadable episodes, Inside Music Cast Radio, and our new studio tours feature with photos and information about some of our guest studios, workspaces, and gear. Find it all at InsideMusicCast.com. Inside Music Cast is powered by Earshot Audio Post and Cabello Associates. For Eddie Cabello, I'm Rick Such. Thanks for your support of Inside Music Cast. <laughs>